crying, I was laughing at the same time. I felt this energy and this beauty and this warmth of life coming from our planet. G'day, I'm Adam Spencer, and this is Telstra Behind the Mic, a series of ideas, discussions and exchanges focused on insights, inspirations and innovations. You could say people who will inspire you to think and you will be inspired by. And today we meet the first female space tourist. That would be interesting enough, but there's more. Oh, there's lots more. We're gonna meet Anusha Ansari. When I came back, I was totally depressed. I felt like people are sleepwalking and I wanted to go shake them and wake them up. It's like, forget about all this craziness and noise in your life. You know, you have to see what's important and you need to focus on it. It's hard because people look at you like you're crazy. Before meeting Anusha Ansari, you don't know what to expect. As a young woman, she founded a huge and international telecommunications company. But through that journey to success, she kept her childhood dream alive of going into space. I got to spend time with her at Telstra Vantage. And if you'll excuse the pun, I got to meet a woman with their head in the clouds, but her two feet planted firmly on the ground. I was born a long, long time ago in a country far, far away in Iran. And growing up, uh, I would look at nights, go outside summer nights and basically sleep outside and just let my imagination go wild. I would look at the night skies and I would look at those shiny objects up there and I would think to myself, what's out there? Are there aliens, are there beings out there? Is there another girl on another planet looking back at me and thinking about the same things? And that curiosity about space and what's out there allowed me to really be interested in space, in astronomy, in wanting to learn about our universe. And drew this picture and I showed it to my parents. Uh, I told them, this is how I'm going to go to space. You've just told us a story about how, as a child, you drew a picture of a spaceship, which a lot of kids do, and you showed it to your parents, as a lot of kids do, and you followed that up with, Mum and Dad, I'm, I'm going to go into space. Did you really have that drive and desire from the youngest of ages? Absolutely. I always believed that I'm going to space, and uh, that belief was very, very strong, especially when I was even younger. I just didn't think there would be anything that could stop me. I didn't know limitations and, you know, boundaries and challenges. I was just all hope and I wanted to do something and I was determined that I'm going to do it. To me, when I look at space, it's where we can find the answers about us, ourselves, our planet, how we came to be and our future. And I'm always curious to find those answers. Let me take you back a few years before that. Your family leave Iran, um, you know, the, the, the revolution, an amazing but very difficult time in Iran in the late 1970s, early 1980s. What's your memories of Iran at that time? So it was, uh, you know, very difficult time because uh, up to that point, I, you know, I had lived a normal life. I didn't understand what the revolution was, why it was happening. And uh, it was a very big change for me. And not only that, um, right after that the war started and you know 
living in a country, uh, you know, in war is something that's, um, you know, life changing for anyone that has lived through it. Um, you see people dying. You see a lot of uh, violence and anger, scarcity. I mean, I remember at nights there will be sirens and we had to all go to the basement and all the neighbors would gather together and, and um, you know, we would just uh, sit there until it was clear to go out and we he would hear explosions. But, um, you know, one thing that was um, also um, interesting to me now looking back at that time is that how people adjust somehow, you know, as human beings, we somehow find a the silver lining and we mm. continue our lives and we survive we are survivors and uh, throughout this whole time because it lasted the, the war lasted seven years it mm. was a long war uh, people somehow found uh, normalcy in that life uh, in, in in a war zone um, you know after the first couple of years when they were sirens they were like you know not going to go to the basement this time mm. or you know they would go actually when there were these anti um, aircraft uh, um, um, defense system firing uh, they would go up to the roof and look at it like it was, you know, uh, fireworks. fireworks. Yeah, it becomes so the new normal. It becomes a new normal, and and it's uh, the elasticity of uh, humans and and how they adapt to their environment. Anusha Ansari is the first female space tourist, but she's so much more than that. She holds all sorts of firsts. She's an Iranian-born Muslim woman that became an engineer. She started a massive telecommunications company, and then. And only then did she buy a ticket on the Russian Soyuz rocket to spend a week and a half on the International Space Station. My motivation to go to space wasn't to break a record, to be honest with you. What really motivated me was, you know, the experience. This was one of once in a lifetime opportunity to experience something unique, something that only, um, you know, 550 people up to this point have experienced it. Uh, from the 7 billion people on this planet. Only 10% of 500 have been uh, women who traveled to space. So it was a pretty unique opportunity for me. And to me, when I look at space, it's where we can find the answers. As someone who's involved with technology, um, when I look at the future, I'm very excited about what I see. At the same time, I see that it's a very difficult uh, thing to predict because of all the way different technologies are changing and progressing at such rapid pace and how they actually are interconnecting and coming together. I remember interviewing Chris Hatfield, the astronaut who commanded the ISS. He said to me, he thought of all the different qualities that go into astronauts, you know, physically tough, intelligent, problem solving and all that, but probably the greatest skill that unifies all astronauts, I think I can recall him saying to me, was the ability to make difficult decisions under pressure on limited information and just calmly go about that. Is, is that a crucial part of the sort of mental makeup of an astronaut? And, and, and why is that so important for someone who's going to, going to go into space to have those sort of skills? It's absolutely true and a big part of the training actually and the tests they do is psychological training and psychological tests 
to understand how you perform under pressure. Going to space is still a very difficult and dangerous endeavor. And uh, when you are up there, a lot of things can go wrong. You know, there's this limited number of people in, in the space station uh, and you have to work collaboratively and uh, coordinate. Times are, you know, when something goes wrong, the time is short when you can react. And if you lose control, not only you endanger yourself, but you endanger the entire crew. So it's important to understand that the person that they're sending to space can perform well under pressure, can perform well in a group, and that can collaborate, and they basically won't freak out. <laughs> and because because you've been aware, because you know, people have, have in, in horrible circumstances have died as part of the space program and training and in space. Uh, you mentioned that the device on the ISS that's meant to help manufacture oxygen had caught fire and broken a short period of time before you went up there. Did that give you second thoughts? Well, you know, going to space was one of those things that I would have done no matter what. I always told everyone that if it was a one-way ticket, I would do it because Mm. I felt like this is who I am and this is what I must do. So nothing would have stopped me. But specifically, I was already on my way there and there's no, you know, U-turn when you're on your way up there. So we know that we would get there and, um, you know, we would just help repair the device. And there's always backup system on board the station. So it's not like you have one of each. Um, They expect things to break. Um, Space station is getting older, so there are more repairs being done. Um, So that's always expected. Mum looked nervous as you took off. I'll be honest, I've seen video of your mum. She looked a little bit, would it be fair to say, a bit jittery? Oh, absolutely. More than a little. Uh, She was on tranquilizer, literally. Wow. uh, For all those days that I was up there. And, you know, when... Because of a beautiful little girl. She, yeah. And she didn't want to tell me not to go. I mean, she never did. And she... Uh, was obviously nervous and worried about my safety. Um, And she just came and, and, um, you know, just prayed and prayed and prayed for me and said, I know you're going to come back to me. Um, And just a little side story, um, when I went to space uh, while I was up there, she was sort of reminiscing about the past and and, uh, going through my stuff. She brought just a little bit of things with her when we left Iran and she had brought my report cards uh, for school. So she was going through my old report cards and there it was a drawing that I I did when I was very young with crayons showing my trip to space. And she had no idea that sort of that got stuck with my report cards and I was there. So once she found that, she felt like this is a good omen. This is a sign that this was meant for me (laughs) and that I will come back safely. So that gave her some comfort. And when I came back, she had framed that with the picture of my launch, actually, the rocket that took me to space next to each other. And she gave it to me. And it was a very special moment for me. Anusha, in her own words, has said, I hope to inspire everyone, especially young people, women and young girls all over the world, to not give up on their dreams, to pursue them. It may seem impossible to them at times, but I believe they can realise their dreams if they keep it in their hearts and nurture it. 
And if it's inspiration you crave, well, look no further than another podcast in this series with a story of two people, a futurist and his friend who he calls a rock star. I'm talking about Jordan Nguyen and Jess Irwin. Sometimes we, we follow the pathway of dreams, but really it's about what technology can do for us, how we can empower everyone to move into the future. That's Jordan Nguyen and his rock star buddy, Jess Irwin. Back now to Anusha Ansari. And I always say a podcast isn't complete without a quote from a French spiritual writer. And my favourite one would have to be René Dumas. I think that's how he pronounces his surname. But he once said this about mountain climbing. You cannot stay on the summit forever. You have to come down again. So why bother in the first place? One climbs, one sees. One descends, one sees no longer. But one has seen. There's an art of conducting oneself in the lower regions by the memory of what one saw higher up. When one can no longer see, one can at least still know. Well said, Renee. You're not my favourite French spiritual writer for no reason, my friend. And it's a sentiment that I think applies equally to space travel. The emotional experience, I don't think anything can prepare you mm. for what you experience when you see Earth for the first time. You know, you. I imagine that all of my life I had pictures of Earth from space as screensavers, posters all hmm. over the place. But Your little I, crayon drawings. My little crayon drawings. Seeing a sunrise or a sunset every 90 minutes, does that get boring after a while? Absolutely not. Every single one is different and um, every single one very, very beautiful. And, um, you know, even looking at the storms from space station is a unique experience and, and uh, it's beautiful. Of course, you know, when you think about people on the ground and, and going through a storm and, and what's happening, it's not very nice for people experiencing it firsthand. But from space, actually looking on Earth, you know, and just looking at Earth rotating, looking at the cloud formations and everything, it's just so beautiful and peaceful. And uh, that's an image you see from that perspective from up there. Of course, you know, the reality on the ground is very different. Mm. And uh, that's one of those uh, dichotomies of, you know, being in space and knowing what's happening and wanting to sort of bring those two realities closer together, to bring that peace that you experience in space uh, back here on Earth for everyone to experience. And that's one of the hopes that many astronauts actually share. There are some people who say we've got so many problems here on Earth at the moment with disease and poverty and, and food scarcity. Why should we spend billions of dollars having adventures in space? Let's sort out Earth first before we frolic in the stars. What do you say when you hear that argument? So first I remind them that the budget for space program is a fraction of uh, any military spending that we have. Hmm that so much science and learning has come from a space program that people don't realize. All of our communication, all of our entertainment, a lot of material we wear, um, a lot of material we use uh, in airplanes and other um, stuff, a lot of medical advancements, special, especially um, uh, doing remote procedures. All of these come from the space program. A lot of the 
Um, like the technology we use to do oil cleanup came from space hmm. program. The material we use in our, uh, you know, uh, shoes, uh, tennis shoes, for example, came from space program. The protective material we wear on our helmets came from. So, but people don't understand that um, most of these things have their origin in the space program. So, uh, while we are in space, we're actually doing uh, studies and research that helps people here on Earth. And again, it's a fraction of the money we spend on, on uh, machine guns and tanks and uh, warplanes and bombs. So I would say that why don't we spend less on those and we would have a much better world and we won't have half of the problems they're worried about solving instead of redirecting the fraction of the money that we spend on space program. You say that one of your one of your joys now is encouraging people to dream and be inspired by their hopes, not their fears. It's a big part of I get the impression your mission in life to try and impart your sense of optimism and adventure into as many people as you can. Absolutely, I think uh, if we take action with hope and optimism, uh, those decisions would result in much better outcomes. Uh, I think uh, decisions out of fear lead into more conflicts, uh, to war, and uh, and will not have any long-term good result for anyone. Uh, and uh, it's our hopes that brings us together. It's our hopes that allows us to build things, not destroy things. And and I truly wish that everyone would see it that way. And and. Um, uh, you know, would overcome their fears, whatever that may be. Well, well may you continue to inspire uh, another generation as you have already in your amazing life. Love it to meet you, Anusha Ansari. Thank you. Thank you for having me on this podcast. Well, what a great piece of advice there. Never make a decision out of fear. Anusha is certainly a fearless woman in many ways. And why don't you confront fear yourself? Do something that scares you, something that challenges you, something you'll learn from, something that might inspire others. Maybe that can be your personal trip to space. I really want to thank Anusha Ansari for sharing her amazing story. You can check out the other podcasts in this series with guests sharing their stories, like Stephen Dubner taking a freakonomic look at the world, Charles Duig on the reason you eat so many cookies, and Daniel Pink unearthing the secret motivation behind perfect... I'm Adam Spencer, and this has been Telstra Behind the Mic.